Hey y'all, this is your girls back again. So welcome to Just Listen. Yo! Miss <laughs> you guys. It's been like a whole two weeks. Hey guys. Yes, and let me tell you, we found some great topics to talk about today. We are so excited. And yeah, let's go on and get into it. All right, if you about it, about it. <laughs> Okay, so this first article is probably going to make one of our loyal listeners roll her eyes. Shout out, Carla, but we had to do it. <laughs> you got Carla out. <laughs> um, so we got to talk about our girl, J.K. Rowling. Look, preface. Okay, so, you know, we are in our mid-20s, so we definitely grew up with harry potter um i can remember stepping into borders and seeing it in the window and i was like mommy i want it oh my gosh yeah so that was definitely my i guess one of my first loves as far as books no boxcar kids was the first one so harry potter might be the second babysitter's club was my first oh you would don't you don't hate babysitter's club it was somebody gave me a whole set of babysitter's club (laughs) and i was like thank you puts back in box well you should have sent it to me i still got that uh collection but anyway meanwhile so So, yes we do love our girl jk like we are diehard harry potter fans and 10 to 15 years of these movies and if you don't already know she is coming out with um a new book harry potter and the cursed child Mm-hmm. Ain't that how it's, ain't that the title of it? Yeah, the Cursed Child. The Cursed Child, one of them. Um, and there's already a play in London, and yeah. I'm feeling some type of I way. I saw this coming. Because that coming. Black Hermione was supposed to be me. I'm just saying, but, yes, I, but shout if, out. If you had been in London at 11 years old. I could have made it happen. In 2015. I, listen. And. I'm just saying. Okay. But. But I'm sure if she brings it to America, you know, you can you can be a part of that cast, right? I'm on it. So if they bring it to America, y'all listen, come find me. Come see about me. Let me make that happen. <laughs> yeah, BJ tripping. BJ like <laughs> in her twenties talking about something I wanna play in eleven years. I old. will play the mess out of that role. And you know okay. I already look young. But anyway, so she's trying to hype up this book that's getting ready to come out. So and she's revamped Pottermore. Mm-hmm. And um, she took it a little bit too far. We already been telling her to sit back, rest on your coin that you know already made okay. on all of these Isn't years. She like already a trillionaire. Why is she trying to make Just, out more? Like I feel like when we asked her for more books after the seventh book, we asked her. JK, can you just give us a little sample of what Harry's life is like now? You know, maybe what his son's life is like now. But she said, oh, no, there'll be none of that. But they'll live on in our hearts and in our spirits. And I said, okay, girl, you right. <laughs> and then she did come with all of these blurbs at the end of the day to try to throw out what happened. It does she... not count. But my thing is, like, she went the wrong direction with all of the characters. Like, can she you did. let them live they happily ever after without trying to throw these random bombshells? Just no. I've already had to block it out because look, I don't believe any of my that. Childhood. Exactly. <laughs> so she's revamping this, and she decides that you know on um, Pottermore she's going to release all of these stories about mm-hmm. magical uh, schools of witchcraft and wizardry all across the world 
And one of them that she did, she talks about the uh, history of magic in the U.S. and the Native world. Mm. And Mm. when I tell you (laughs) our Native American brothers and sisters, we're not here for it. (laughs) They were like, you tried it and failed. So let us gather you up real quick because all her pieces were scattered. (laughs) So in this story... Oh, wait, tell them the, art, the, the article before we... Well, yeah, it's on the Pottermore site. Um, okay. And so if you go to it, it'll link... Well, the actual article where you find out that our Native American sisters and brothers are not having it, it's an article on CNN. And we will try to post a link to it so you can reach it directly. But the article is titled, New J.K. Rowling Story Earns ire of native americans (laughs) so in this story we're not gonna you know go into the whole thing but it's just a snippet and she basically starts talking about the legend of the native american skinwalker a evil witch or wizard that can transform into an animal at will and starts talking about how native americans were gifted in animal and plant magic And she kind of just lumps all of these stories from several different tribes together Mm -hmm. as one. And I think that's what really um, offended, offended, yeah, those who are Native American. She combined everything and twisted this in the way that many people who do not have the knowledge of Native American history could come away with the wrong impression. So would you give them some of the tweets and things that I was just about to say, yeah, let me go ahead and (laughs) okay, I know I shouldn't laugh at this, but really he gathered her up so well in these 140, you could do so much and so little in 140 characters. You know, it's just how you want to wield your magic. Let's do it. Uh, Dr. Adrian Keene uh, responded to uh, this article that was first posted. He responded on Twitter. And first off, he started out, <laughs> he came out the box, okay? He started off with, well, it's not your world. It's our real native world. And skinwalker stories have context, roots, and reality. I'm going to put a pin in right there. Because... JK is already known for reaching back into different histories, Greek history and what have you. She brings up uh, all kinds of references to um, mythology, Greek mythology. She brings up references to Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, so she's already known for blending uh, stories from different cultures into creating her narrative for mm-hmm. the Potter story. Mm-hmm. But I think that I can see where um, like Dr. King would be coming from as far as it's one thing to try to use it as an homage and it's another to just change the story altogether. But that brings up an interesting 
question well to me this mm-hmm. brings up two things one i think this is a product of us not being taught the history of many different cultures that's in school. True. as americans we only get really the american history and the world history everything is so conditioned learning about every you know everything and so you get this very manufactured window yeah, into other cultures so i think that's a problem but i mean that's not to exonerate her in any sense of the word because Mm -hmm. as a writer and having these fans and having this audience it is your responsibility as a writer to research the stories and the culture behind what you are writing about so that's in no way to exonerate her um i think the other thing that this brings up is cultural appropriation and this has been coming up Big time, you know, not only with J.K. Rowling, but even the Beyonce video with Coldplay where she Mm -hmm. portrayed uh, an Indian woman. Um, And there's, I mean, just so many. I mean, of course, every other day on Twitter, you know, there's cultural appropriation tweets that, you know, uh, Kylie Jenner with braids and, you know, all of this. So it's, it's a big deal. And... In some cases, and I I am going to say some, and this may in fact be one of them, like you said, it may be an attempt to pay homage or celebrate other cultures or try to bring people in, Mm -hmm. but then it goes all the way left and becomes something that's offensive. So where is that line? How do you celebrate other cultures when you're not a part of it in a way that doesn't offend? And I think that's... I think... Um, well, I mean, clearly, I don't know if there's necessarily a right solution for it, but I, I think I would say something that would help. Well, I, okay. Being African-American, I'll speak from the African-American perspective, not for, not for the whole I was getting ready to say that now. But I'm saying, no, not for the whole of the community, but you know, like for myself, I would think that I would appreciate it. If people are going to tell the story, then why don't you go and consult the people whom the story is about? You know, like. It's fine. I think it's great to celebrate each other's cultures and heritage. Like I completely, I love it. I am all for it. Like I love exploring different things and different types of people. So I think that the best way to tell someone's narrative is to ask them. So if you never go and ask them, if you never do the research, the legwork for it, then whose story are you really telling? Because you have your perspective of what you may see, but if you're not living that story, that may not be your place to tell it, you know? Exactly. And have those whose culture you are trying to celebrate or immerse as a part of your work, actually a part of the storytelling process right right. and i think that and of many other tweets you can you know read a few uh more of them if you want to but i think that's a part of what the anger was about as well they felt that yet again someone else who is not a part of the culture is taking it upon themselves to tell their story and i'm gonna just read this next tweet that he posted and where dr king said you can't just claim and take a living tradition of a marginalized people that's straight up colonialism slash appropriation which 
Yeah. It, that, I, yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right to me. <laughs> um, and his next tweet says, uh, these are not my traditions. So I'm asking for permission, figuring out how to respect while being able to critique. And I think that's important too, because I feel like, like, I think that critiques are necessary for improvement, Mm -hmm. but there's also a sense of you have to know where your place is in critiquing. Like you, you're not going to be an expert on everything, right? So where, where do you fall in that spectrum to provide your input so that it is constructive criticism and not just oh, well, I don't really like what you're doing here, so let me go ahead and knock that down. Yes. And I think it's important to know that she has taken to writing about several different cultures, not just the Native American culture with all the schools that she has written stories about in the new Pottermore series. So Mm -hmm. it's even more incumbent upon her to, you know, do the research and add in the proper perspectives in all of this. But I took a step back and asked myself, because I, thinking about it, when I first read the story itself before seeing the tweets and reading the whole context of the CNN article as Mm -hmm. to why there was this outrage, me not being as well-versed in Native American culture, I was a little confused at first as to, wait, what happened? Why, you know, why is it? And I think that's the potential danger of producing those types of stories without background, because if you, like you said, if you aren't as well-versed in certain histories or in certain cultures, you may not be able to distinguish between what has been taken to create fiction versus what is history. Mm -hmm. And that could be misleading as well. Very much so. And not only that, I think sometimes when the anger comes, it may be an opportunity to educate. That's true. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, I take that stance with caution because I know many people listening to this are going to have that response of, why is it my responsibility to teach everyone who doesn't know anything about my culture? Why do I have to be this, you know, this person to try to teach everyone if you're going to try to be a part of it or you're going to try to reference it in any way shape or form then it should be your responsibility to learn before taking it upon yourself to put yourself out there as this authority on it but again i get it no it is you shouldn't have to be the teacher but at the same time there's the question of, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you, do you want to be right or do you want to have peace and understanding in general? I don't know. What, you you well, get you giving me that look. Yeah, because so, I'm trying to understand what you mean by do you want to be right or do you want peace? I guess I'm trying to understand that dichotomy that you've created. What I mean by that is, of course, this shouldn't be the responsibility of 
um, Native Americans, uh, Asian Americans, African Americans, any of these cultures who feel that their uh, culture has been appropriated Mm -hmm. to teach everyone the do's and the don'ts and you know to put themselves out there like I get it it's tiring I've had to do it several times in my life I'm sure you have Mm -hmm. so it's it's tiring and it's frustrating and it takes up it sucks up a lot of your energy and so I get the the frustration at feeling like there's this responsibility to do that. But when I when I say, do you want to be right or do you want to have peace? At the same time, this ignorance and misinformation is going to continue if we don't take those opportunities that we yes. can to teach those. Because some people, they're just doing it out of malice they're doing it out of a sense of entitlement and no you're not going to reach everyone but there are certain people who will literally appropriate or do something that is offensive not out of malice but because they literally do not know that this is what they're doing yeah And we could say all we want that, well, I mean, where have you been all of these years? Under a rock, you should know that that's offensive, but they don't know. And I think, and that's important to know because everyone's experiences are different. Mm -hmm. So you can't really assume that people should know X, Y, and Z about you or about your culture. Because what if you come across someone who, one, has never been in contact with anyone like you? Or anyone that is of your culture, or what if they have, but it's it, it's been in I, I don't know maybe like an alternate setting or something like that, something where they don't get the full gist of who you are, and you know even some, and I would even say that like I'm I'm sure some people don't even look into all of that when they're meeting people or when they're interacting with people, which can be good and bad. It could be good because it could work out so that, you know, you don't really see the difference between the two of you and that forms a relationship and that works well. Or it could be a sense of, okay, because you're not trying to understand who I am, there's a rift between the two. Yeah. So, yeah, I I would definitely, I would definitely say that I can't even really, I can't, I don't even think there's a definite solution per se. I think that there's just the fact of you have to take into consideration both sides. And also, I, I don't know, I would say for me, I would think that you, if you want your story to be told, then maybe you have to tell it. Yes. And not let somebody else tell it for you. And that's not to say that JK is trying to create a history book or anything like that. Like clearly she's trying to create a work of fiction, but in that you don't want to like lose or change elements of your culture because someone else decided that this is a story that I want to tell. Right. And I think that's, that's something that is for all cultures many times we aren't out there telling our stories. Yeah. And it wouldn't be so bad when the J.K. Rowlands come along and do this spinoff or this melding if, if the real story is yeah. actually 
and out there. That's, I, yeah, that's the exact issue is that I, it, it, exactly what you're saying, addressing the fact that our stories have to be told from our perspective. It's just like, like the African proverb where like, you know, if you telling the antelope story from the lion perspective, mm-hmm. you're going to get a different outlook. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, for me, I I feel like it would be my responsibility to tell my story. So I would rather tell my story than to quote unquote, just be right, you know? Yeah. And so I I definitely looked at this article and identified with the frustration that happens when there's cultural appropriation. But I think I'm at a place right now in life where I'm trying to not blame as much but I'm trying to see what I can do because literally yeah. I am the only person that I have the ability to change. Right. So I can get upset that JK did this or whoever did this in life. And at the end of the day, they're going to be sitting on their coins, sleeping well at night. Okay. <laughs> but I'm up worried and stressed because now we have to create a new movement to combat what you've just created. No. <laughs> like, we need to find a way to definitively affect change. And yeah, I agree with you. That does start with with me. That starts with you. Like, so... From there, I feel like you can develop yourself and develop your talents and your skills to then branch out to other like-minded people. And I feel like that's what creates the movement Mm -hmm. is being able to not only just say like, hey, this is wrong, but actually create that plan of action for what are we going to do about it? Yeah. So I I thought this brought up some, some good points. Yeah, I think it's also a good segue it is into our next portion of uh of articles which basically surround by um if you don't like it get up and do something about it pretty much <laughs> and in that vein we have to say shouts out to cook county shout out Shout out to the people of Chicago. Yes. Because Chicago got up and in two, in a, a matter of two weeks, three weeks said, oh, we're not going for any of this. We're not <laughs> going for it. They said, don't act like you forgot. Okay. We'll Which... call them shot, shot, shots. And blocked <laughs> And vote you out. Okay. Blocked everybody out. So if you do not know what we Chicago are talking up, about. Yo. <laughs> Let them know, girl. Let them know what they, we are so, talking about. Okay, besides the fact that Chicago came out and shut down that Trump rally, we're real quick, fast, and in a hurry. They did. Um, not only did they do that, but based on their consistent protesting and and just activeness in the community, they were able to have the police chief step down after all of these incidences of violence. Um, And not only that, but they also just toppled over Miss Anita Alvarez. Yes. Look. um, In the primaries. In the the primaries, yes. So there's still work. Yes, so there's still work to be done. But basically, Anita Alvarez, for those of you guys 
that do not know, she um, is the Cook County. Was. Was. Well, no, she's still oh, she in the still, office I was now. Say, okay, she, we'll still give it to her. We're jumping, up, we jumping ahead. Oh, sorry, I got okay. excited. So <laughs> she is the Cook County State's Attorney. And she has come under fire because consistently she has failed to prosecute cases where young African-American youth Mm -hmm. have been shot and killed by policemen. Mm -hmm. And the icing on the cake came very recently when there was a video that surfaced that showed in action the police officer shooting i think over 17 times 16 16. um the child's name was laquan mcdonald and he was just he was a teenager and with all of this neither anita nor the governor ron we we calling you out too Decided to take any action on this, or the mayor, or the mayor. That only came about because did I say governor? Yeah, yeah you, you said governor. I knew you meant the mayor. Mayor, Ron. yeah, yeah. You had to call Ron out too because they all had one. Okay, they have access to this information, so don't tell me you don't know about videos. You don't know about the current state of affairs in your city. I'm I'm not gonna stand for it. Yeah. They they had this information for I think over a year, and they settled and that, this information just... before they came out. Partially because this was an election year, so they were going to keep this under wraps as long as possible. Just like uh, they kept under wraps a couple other cases that were going on when they were trying to elect the mayor for Chicago when Ron was running for another term, and you know we didn't hear about these other cases that had occurred until a year later. But you know. Causation does not correlation does not equal causation, so mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> um, the initial set of protests did not have the big impact that many Chicagoans had wished, which was to topple the mayor. Yes, that did not happen. But what I love about it is that despite their initial protests and efforts not being met with the result that they wanted, they kept at it and they got out in their primary and made their voices heard. If it didn't happen this one way, we are not going to sit there and let this movement die. So they kept at it. They planned, they organized, and they made their voices heard. And I want to commend everyone who got out there and, yeah, made their voices heard. Because this is really what it's all about. And you have to be the change that you want to see. I think so often we hope that there's this Superman that's going to come down and save the situation, save the school system, Mm -hmm. save what's going on as far as police and community relations, uh, relations and 
just all the problems that are going on. And at the end of the day, you have to, at some point, realize that you have to be that Superman. Yep. And I'm sorry, I didn't no. to cut you off. I was just thinking, like, and I think the main issue with Superman is that there's always kryptonite. Because Superman is only one person. And, like, and I'm even, I'm... I know this is like so bad to like quote a movie, but legit, I was watching Batman Begins and when he was actually becoming, like when Bruce Wayne was becoming Batman, y'all don't judge me, but for real, this spoke to me, okay? (laughs) So when Bruce Wayne was becoming Batman, Liam Neeson, whoever his character is in this movie, because he's just Liam Neeson to me in everything. In everything. He's he's taken in everything. But um, he said that you have to, when you're when you're taking on crime, basically when you're taking on evil, like fighting against evil, you have to be more than a man. You have to become an idea. Mm, and speak. I had to throw some snaps up on whoever wrote that um that script because that's literally what what it comes down to because Mm -hmm. for Superman, there's always going to be a kryptonite. I think that that's what's happened with so many movements throughout our history is that there's always been a head person in charge. And if you can cut off the head, you can the the organization. The movement dies and then the people's hope dies. And then they go back to where they were before and decide, well, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. And if you can embody the ideal in massive droves of people to the point where we can come together and unify like across the country to push X, Y, and Z agenda. That's when change occurs. Like, and I think, and that was something that was even shown, you know, in president Obama's campaign where Mm -hmm. his slogan of yes, we can wasn't just a catch slogan, but he had values behind it and values that many different types of people could agree with and those unifying values are what brought people from all over America together to then vote and say this is who we want to be our representative mm-hmm. you know and so I think that that was an an excellent display of a unifying force because I don't feel like we've had that in America for quite some time until now when people are really stepping up in ways that like I know everybody doesn't want to quote unquote play the game but when it comes to things like politics and when you want to change who's actually governing you that's how you have to go about it you have to vote yes you can complain and you can write letters to your senator and to your congressman and x y and z but when it comes down to it these people are still the ones who are in place to speak for you and who are supposed to be your advocates. So if you feel like they're not advocating for you, you have the power to say, hey, I don't feel like you're doing your job, so we're going to find somebody who will do it and who will speak on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And that's when the voting comes into play. Yes. And at a certain point, we have to stop being reactive but proactive. Which means that there needs to be some consistency. So the job is not done. Mm -hmm. Yes, Anita is not on the ballot anymore. But whether it's Kim Fox or who's the Republican candidate? I cannot even I cannot think of his (laughs) name. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm that's bad. But um regardless of who takes it on, 
they need to be held accountable too. And you, and everyone has to be as much accountable in making their voices heard after a new person takes office to make sure that these problems do not pile up again. I think that's another problem with many movements that happen in America as well and across the world that there's this, this anger and uh, centered around an event or a series of events and it, enrages people and then everyone's going to act upon it and we're going to create that change and once the change is made yay job done and we can all go home and kumbaya nope don't work like that there's work to be done to maintain and to elevate so i just commend everyone who gets that I would just also point out that um, even in this article that I was reading in the Chicago Reader, um, they mentioned, well, they interviewed a couple of different people from a few different groups. And basically the sentiment was, yes, you know, we've gotten Kim Fox uh, nominated for the primary, but it, even if she does win in the general election, she will still be held accountable. They said, we will stand behind her, mm-hmm. but we will hold her accountable. And I think that's the key because I don't, it's, I don't agree with putting someone in place and then saying, well, this is just what we worked for. So we're just going to let them do what they do. Cause I mean, even with like president Obama, like, okay, a lot of people elected him into place, but then hold him accountable for the place that he is now taking. We got you to this space. So now you need to make sure that you're actually interacting with us and knowing what we want, Mm -hmm. not just the fact that you're in this space because of, I guess I would say, uh, as a figurative representative, like we wanted him to be the first black president. So now you're the first black president. Great. That's all we wanted. Like, no, (laughs) we still want to hold you accountable for all these other things that need to be taken care of. But unfortunately, I don't feel that many people have held Obama as accountable as they should. I feel that especially many African-Americans, I feel that many times the moment anything even remotely critical is said there is all of a sudden this mentality that you uh, are a sellout, that you hate Obama, that you, <laughs> you know, are racist, that you, I mean, it's, it's just all kinds yeah. of anger that is directed towards you when you try to criticize in any way. I think that's backlash based on a lack of differentiating between criticism critiques differentiating between knowing that there is a role to be fulfilled versus just like i said like that whole figurehead idea and i don't think that i think when we have issues like that it's a lack of separating those issues like i can't tell the difference between if you are just saying this because you're trying to hate on him or if you're saying this to potentially better uh i guess better the 
I don't even really know what to call it. The contribution, maybe. But then that's why there should be some actual discussion instead of assuming and the anger and discussion. The... That takes time. Who's you want to talk? Uh, what? Yes. You want to work it out? <laughs> what? You want real solutions? I forget. What? That's that's too much. Like <laughs> rights. But no, no, I mean, I, I think there are plenty of people out here working towards are. real solutions. There are. And actually, you know, going about it the right way. So. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I to me, if I am a real supporter, I'm going to tell you when you are right. As well as when you are wrong. Here we go. Back to this friends conversation from like episode one. It is. Like that's, that's, yeah. Like those yes men will get you into trouble. But speaking of, well, did you hit everything that you wanted to hit? I think so. Well, I mean, just one thing before we segue into our next topic, I just want to say, um, shout out to these groups that help organize Yes. Um, this whole <laughs> this whole state of affairs. So shout out to the Black Lives Matter group um in Illinois, the Black Youth Project. I'm sorry, Black Youth Project 100, Asada's Daughters, um and all the other groups that came out to make sure that Kim Fox received the primary nomination. I think you guys are doing some awesome work and I hope that this idea of coming together because you see how it was so many separate groups Yes. They have probably, I'm assuming, separate missions, but an overall unifying goal of we want to see our our city improve. Yes. And they went about it in a way that actually affected change. So if we can just get that sentiment to spread throughout the country and actually do the steps, do the legwork to unify. Yes. Oh, wow. What a a country we would have. Yes. So keep it up. There's still work to be done. Keep it up. Great job, guys. Black, white, Native American. Oh, yeah, that's everybody. Male, female. No, I'm I'm just saying, like, if you want some change, if you want to make something happen, it's time that we get up off our behinds and make it happen. And I think that I'm, I'm just so glad to see that people are slowly but surely getting that mentality and putting the egos aside and saying, let's come together and make this happen. So again, shout out to everyone who has done this, but uh, we were just talking about the criticism or lack thereof in certain cases of Obama. And this is, that's a good segue into what we wanted to get into next, which was Obama's Supreme court pick. And the nomination is (laughs) drum roll here. Merrick Garland. Who's that? (laughs) (laughs) You know that's what people are asking. But you the way know. you said that, though, I that need is exactly you. What people were asking. I was cracking up at somebody I was listening to the other day. I really don't even remember who this is, and I need to remember. But I was listening to somebody's podcast, and they were like, "Merrick Garland, that sounds like a seasoning. That sounds like I listen. I can't. Well, you fancy? You put Merrick Garland on your fish, girl? And, and listen, you fancy, huh? Fancy." <laughs> 
Well, we going to get some sprinkle, sprinkle in the Supreme Court if the Senate acts right, okay? (laughs) We'll see how that goes. goes. So, um, yes, Merrick Garland is currently the chief judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. Mm -hmm. He was appointed to that position by Bill Clinton in 1997. And... He is now Obama's pick for Supreme Court to replace Justice Scalia. So for those of you who do not know, Justice Scalia recently passed. And so there is currently a vacancy on the court. And the Republicans have committed themselves to refusing any and everyone that Obama puts in front of them to fill that vacancy because they feel that with it being so close to picking a new president that they should wait until the new president is elected to bring in a new Supreme Court justice. i just like to also... Uh throw a note in there that this decision was made prior to he even <laughs> offered a suggestion of who he may have had an inkling of who he wanted to uh, nominate for the Supreme Court. Carry on. Yes. <laughs> and so my first thought upon hearing this is mm. how ironic because Scalia who is set to be replaced is notorious for saying that in all decisions you need to follow the letter of the law and last time i checked he was a a constitutionalist yes and last time i checked what I had read, I don't, I don't know what nobody else read, but from what I had read, with these two eyes, with those two eyes, with these two eyes, right oh, okay. here, okay, and it, and I even got four. I even put on these glasses <laughs> for you to read, okay. They say, okay, that the justices of the Supreme Court mm-hmm. should be elected. Mm-hmm. by the president not the next one mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. you know split the difference mm-hmm. if he got a few more months in terms it says mm-hmm. the president at that time the current okay current with the advice and consent of the senate okay so <laughs> they want to say that americans should have their choice and they should have their say yeah we did when we picked president obama we figured that he was gonna pick the next supreme court justice or at least one or two people on the seat so yeah we did make the decision i think they just don't like the decision they don't they don't and so this is what we have so then so this brings up Okay, B, hold on. Let's pause this for a second. I feel like we have a lot of content going on, and this discussion can go on for, I feel like, another part. I think we need to do a a part two of this. So in the interest of time, let's go ahead and put a pin in that, put a post-it note and say, we'll get to you next week. 
I'm with that. So now you guys know what to look forward to on our next episode because we are going to pick up right where we left off. But before we do that, how about we do our weekly spotlight? Flashlight. Neon light spotlight. Are you going to do that like every time now? I don't know. I like I can't help it. I, uh, anyway, um, this week I want to shout out the syncopated ladies. Yes, if you guys have not looked up that video, um, there's a group of tappers from across the nation. And they got information, honey. Okay, all the way information and it was just so cute it was girl power all the way and these ladies can dance yes and i mean because i love to do these shameless gi plugs <laughs> i have to shout out miss victoria vicky jones who is a Gary native and is one of the dancers featured in the video. So shout out to you. Shout out hometown. Yes, yes, yes. And anything else? I think that's about it. I think we can go ahead and put a bow tie on that. Tad about sound. We're done. We're done. <laughs> so come back and hear us next week. Let us know what you think about what you've heard so far. Uh we want to continue this dialogue. And of course, um email us just listen live at gmail.com. Follow us on all the social media. And remember, just, just listen. listen.